Welcome to Torah Smash, the podcast for nerdy Jews, where our lives of Jewish learning collide with our love of nerd culture. I'm the creator and co-host, Barack Malkin. Joining me are my co-hosts, Ethan Lane Miller, Rabbi David Young. So for our first episode, we wanted to give everyone a little background on the creation of this podcast, how it came to be, and a little more insight into who each of your regular hosts are. So I'm going to give a little bit of background into how the podcast started, uh, but feel free to jump in at any point. So my wife had created and had her own podcast a few years ago. It was called It's Who You Know, if you're a Jewish professional who may be interested in hearing the career stories of many of the top Jewish organizational leaders, you should check it out. Around that time is when I started really listening to podcasts also. So I was traveling a lot for work. I was able to listen to a lot, a bunch of nerdy ones about comics, about nerd culture, some on science stuff, some on being a Jewish professional. And I tried finding one that was both of those. I tried a bunch and I even came close a few times, but I've had so many great conversations over the years with other nerdy Jewish professionals in creating unique and fun programs. And I was really looking for that. So a few months ago, something just clicked. And I said, in my best Thanos impression, fine, I'll do it myself. That was terrible. <laughs> so uh, I thought it was Josh Brolin here for a second. Yeah. <laughs> that was crazy. He, he's not Jewish. Um, but you're welcome, Josh, if you're listening, always welcome. <laughs> um, so I so I started with like a bunch of title ideas. Some you will never hear. <laughs> Some that may pop throughout the rest of the podcast here and there. And I also knew I didn't want to talk to myself. I much more enjoy a group conversation on these things. But I know so many nerdy Jews. So many. I worked at a Jewish science summer camp for Pete's sake. It was really, really tough. I had a lot of people in my head for a very long short list. <laughs> And if I know you and you're listening to this, it's highly likely that your name was on my list. Um, in the end, for a number of different reasons, I chose uh, Ethan Lane Miller and Rabbi David Young. That's a nice transition. So I know we have a couple of questions we're going to sort of get to know each other with, but to give people a sense of just overall background, let's do this Jewish professional thing off right and start with a mixer. So... Um, <laughs> We, we have, we have the fun. That's exactly what the, there's probably a lot of groans and eye rolls and like mixers every time. So we've got fun questions coming. So let's just do some basic overall stuff. So uh, name, pronouns, where you live, overview of what your Jewish professional career has looked like, uh, where you're working right now, and then a shout out to your Jewish communities. I always learned as a Jewish professional that when doing these sort of things, you should go first as a way to set the example. So Lesson number one, whoever's listening, we'll make a list. Number one lesson. Uh, so here we go. So um, my name is Brock Malkin. My pronouns are he, him, his. I currently live in central northern New Jersey area. And mostly I have been an experiential Jewish educator, had focuses on leadership development for synagogue and community-based organizations. Right now, I'm working at the Union for Reform Judaism as a leadership development manager and their Congregational Engagement and Leadership Experiences Department. And shout out to my communities, uh, Temple Emmanuel in Edison, Temple Bethel in Hillsboro, Temple Sinai of Glendale, URJ Six Point SciTech Academy, Nifty Gur, Urban Mitzvacor, and Temple Ner Tamid in Bloomfield. Shout outs. All right, who wants to go next? 
I'm being told it's me. And I, I realize uh, on an audio format, uh, you can't see that there were fingers pointed at me. So that that doesn't quite work for our listeners, but it was definitely me. I'm going next. So hi, I'm Ethan Lane Miller and I use he, him pronouns. I live in the great state of Texas in the great city of Austin. And my journal career has very much been the route uh, of a youth engagement professional, starting uh, with a life-changing summer at my local JCC day camp in Dallas uh, between my freshman and sophomore years of college. And uh, the rest was uh, history. It led me on a path to where I am today, where I am the associate camp director at Shalom Austin, uh, conveniently located in Austin, Texas. As a shout out to my Jewish communities, and I wrote this out uh, so that I wouldn't forget anyone, I need to shout out Adat Haverim in Plano, Texas, the JCC in Dallas, Temple Emanuel in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, Nifty Par, and of course, Green Family Camp and Nifty Tour, and last and certainly not least, Shalom Austin and the Austin Jewish community. Who would like to go next? I guess it's me. You both have your fingers on your nose. So I guess that means it's my turn. (laughs) My name is Rabbi David Young. I go by RDY and I use he, him pronouns. I currently live in Irvine, California. That's Orange County where the uh, meteorologists have the easiest job in the world because they just go, it's 70 degrees and sunny. Back to you, Al. Uh, It is, I am a rabbi. That's, I am a professional Jew. I became a rabbi in 2006 and I love it. So um, I work in Fountain Valley, California at Congregation B'nai Tzedek, where you matter. And uh, I'm going to shout out, I'll, I'll try to go in order from uh, youth to now. I'm going to shout out um, Wise Temple in Cincinnati, Ohio, the holy city where I grew up. Camp Livingston, where I fell in love with Judaism, the KIO region of BBYO, where um, I was a youth grouper, a shout out to HUCJIR, to Temple Sinai in North Miami Beach, to Congregation B'nai Tzedek in Fountain Valley, California. Uh, I'd, I'd also like to shout out the camps that I've worked at, Six Points West and Camp Newman and Camp Coleman and well, I'll, I'll remember more next time. <laughs> awesome. Great. So I know each of us have some questions, so we'll go around a little bit. Um, so your first question, do you consider yourself a super Jewish nerd or a Jewish super nerd or a nerdy super Jew or any other permutation of those words? So I'll go first. Why y'all think I consider, I think I consider myself a Jewish super nerd. I have belonged to a synagogue for my whole life, attended services in like my baby carrier uh, and grew up in like a mixed reform and conservative household, leaning a little bit more towards the reform. My nerdy pieces came in much later. Maybe it was when I got my first comics or learned I love comic strips through like my dad's collection of mad magazines um, or when I discovered video games or the arcade on our temple's annual trip to the Catskills. Um, But I think in that sense, I consider myself Jewish as an essence, 
and nerd as a love. So Jewish super nerd for me. You know, what's interesting is I have a very similar response. I also think uh, I would go with Jewish super nerd. And what I was thinking was that Jewish is the descriptive word for super nerd in this situation. Uh, When sometimes I'll jokingly, but actually kind of seriously tell people, like if they want to understand why or how I turned out the way I am as a human being, I like to explain, well, uh, I was raised by a combination of Star Trek by uh, two Jewish college professors. And they go, oh, that makes sense. That explains why you are the way that you are. Um, just from, from a really young age, like my, my mom and my grandfather uh, on my mom's side really instilled a love of science fiction. And it was primarily through Star Trek. And that was definitely, I think, for me, one of the defining features about me, you know, Growing up as a Jew in in Texas, it was that I was nerdy, I was Jewish, I was into Star Trek and Star Wars and those sort of things. So I I definitely resonate with what you're saying, Barack. Cool. Uh, I guess I'll be the different one. I would call myself a super nerdy Jew. Um, when when we had this question came up all the time in the '80s, but it was, "Are you a Jewish American or an American Jew?" And and just like you said, Ethan, it was about the noun versus the adjective, like, like the noun being the central part of your life and the adjective, or in this case, adjectives being the descriptors. And I think I am a Jew first and foremost, and that's how I, you know, I wake up in the morning excited to do the rabbi thing, excited to get my day going. And, and all of that is the Jewish world and the nerdiness and the, you know, the superhero stuff and, and the culture that I grew up in accompanies that my, my nerd culture grew out of having nothing in my life that I, that my parents were interested in that interested me. And, um, the, you know, my, my, they were into musicals. My dad was an athlete. I don't know anything about sports ball. And, um, it was, it it was just, this was what I was drawn to movies, comic books, games, magazine, uh, mad magazine too. Like you said, weird Al was like the music of my youth (laughs) and, and, uh, and all of it informs my Judaism. Yeah. So for our next question. Yeah. Who is your favorite Jewish character in nerd culture? I've had a little bit of time to think about this. And I actually have two answers because mm. let's set the precedent. It's a Jewish podcast. You tell us to name one thing. So it's really hard <laughs> for us just to stick to one thing. Um, and so I, I'll be the first to say that I don't know that I'm as versed as, as the two of you are when it comes to different characters in nerd culture who are specifically Jewish, but two names really came to mind. The first one for me is actually Magneto. Uh, maybe not necessarily someone that who would hold up to, uh, as, as a paragon of Judaism, someone who would necessarily, necessarily say that we admire, but someone whose story is Jewish and whose character and backstory just wouldn't be who he is if it wasn't um, with, with that Jewish background, the history of the character. 
And I think just to explain to my sister, uh, Susan, who doesn't know anything about comic books, Magneto was a Holocaust survivor and, and then, and a mutant from the X-Men who became a villain. He can manipulate the magnetic forces, anything metal. Uh, and, and he's one of the major villains against the X-Men. He runs the brotherhood of evil mutants. Yes. And, and his, his take, at least from what I've seen from the movies and animated TV shows that I've seen, is that his experience in the Holocaust and being a persecuted minority colors his perception of mutants versus, um, versus humans. And so it's, it's such a rich, deep part of his character that speaking as a Jew, and I'm clearly not saying I agree with him, but I see where he's coming from, flawed and all. It's, 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 it's a difficult place to be. Naturally, then, the other character I think of is John Ralphio Saperstein from Parks and Recreation, because clearly, uh, when we think of Jewish characters, it's Magneto and John Ralphio Saperstein, uh, who never fails to make me laugh in any scenes he appears in. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I'll, I'm going to go next. Uh, I struggled. There's not, there's not a lot. I even... I have thought about this and I've gone to like the Wikipedia page with Jewish fictional characters and the list is long and they're not that overtly Jewish in any sense. And I, I, I won't drag it out. I narrowed it down and I think my favorite Jewish character in nerd culture is Willow Rosenberg from Buffy. That's that that was probably one of the first instances where I saw a Jewish character defend their Judaism during like holiday episodes, right? They were like, they were like walking down the hallway and they commented on how she doesn't have the Christmas spirit. She's like, um, Jewish. Hello. Like very blatantly not ashamed of it at all. And they like repeated it a couple of times. It wasn't just like a one-off thing. There were a couple of episodes where they really, um, had her Judaism, not at the forefront. I wish it was more forward, but this was still back in the nineties. Um, but definitely one of the first experiences of a popular, you know, forefront character in a major like series. Yeah. Willow. That's a great answer. I I have so many. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, the, like my, my, my knee jerk ones like Magneto was on my list, Kitty Pride, uh, yeah. Sabra, all from the comic books. But in thinking about it, I'm gonna have to go with Chunk from the Goonies. Um, is, <laughs> is, is Chunk Jewish? There's a scene where he gets, he goes, he's he's escaped the Fratelli's basement. Yeah. And he he flags a car down and he goes, I just met these terrible people. You may have heard of them, the Fratelli's. And then the car light goes on and it's the Fratelli's. And he freezes and he goes, Baruch Adonai. And, and, right, uh, no it, kid that age would know the blessing unless they'd been to Friday night services pretty regularly. I never... There's That's also a throwaway amazing. line that when they're up in the in in Mikey's attic, he goes, "We don't have anything but old Hanukkah decorations in my attic." <laughs> oh my god, I don't think I've ever. I don't think anybody's ever said to me that Chunk is you. That is an eye opener. Wow. Yeah. So that's the and and like the. Oh, I, this I think is amazing. 
I think Mikey Sorry, has like Jewish tropes. Right yeah. <laughs> Mikey has so Jewish tropes to him, but I mean, Chunk is clearly the caricature Jewish kid. And I, I mean, like as, as a fat kid growing up, like I, I gravitated towards Chunk. Cause like, Hey, you can be a fat kid. And, uh, and, and Jeff Cohen, the actor is from Cincinnati. So like, uh, you know, I really gravitated towards him as the Jewish character in popular culture and, and certainly in nerd culture because the Goonies goon enough oh for me. God. That is the best answer. I am. I am just floored. Ethan, did you know this? No, I didn't. Were you guys keeping this for me? Is the world no. keeping this for me? Did every, is this one of those like weird hidden secrets that everybody, every Jewish person knows? I've never I heard can't. this. I can't a, show all my cards. I got to keep is, you guessing. Oh, that's amazing. He's going to be like, I, that is, I have to get a bunch of chunk stuff now. How do you, oh my God. Just, you know, flower okay, shirts and baby Ruth bars. <laughs> um, amazing. All right. Who's got, who's got the next question? So I, I also have the follow-up, which is yeah. similarly, uh, just favorite character in nerd culture in general and, and doesn't have to be Jewish. And Again, I, I have two top answers, and for people who know me, neither are going to be very surprising. Um, one is, of course, Captain Jean-Luc Picard from Star Trek. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when I think, and particularly when I'm talking about leadership, and I did this a lot in Nifty, uh, I would pause and think, you know, what would Jean-Luc Picard do in this situation? How do I empower... <laughs> my bridge crew, or in this case, the six teenagers who don't fully know what they're doing and how do I help them uh, achieve their best? And so Picard was always a great role model for me. And similarly, I'd have to go with uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi from Star Wars. And uh, it's a little controversial, but I always saw Obi-Wan as a better role model than Yoda because at least in the original trilogy, Obi-Wan was flawed. We knew that he tried to train Anakin and failed, and he had to live with that failure. And we saw in, in the in the prequel trilogy that Yoda had his own share of failures as well. But I loved that at face value, Obi-Wan was this wise, older mentor, but we knew that he paid the price and he had a lot of tough learnings that he did himself. And particularly in the in the later movies, he was willing to be honest with Luke about it. And I thought that was very interesting as well. So you're like living the, you got Picard that just came out and then you've got an OB, like literally the two people you named now have their own show. It's been a great time to be Ethan lately. Let me tell <laughs> you. <laughs> um, I'll go again. Uh, this was an easy one for me. Hands down, favorite fictional character of all time. Is Don Quixote. Um, I'm a huge fan of his story and his just like overly positive optimism. Um, however, misunderstood or misguided or whatever. I love that he just can't be stopped for his hopes and dreams and the, like whatever it is that you want. As long as you have that drive to go for it, you can get it. I even, I even wrote my wedding vows based on parts of two songs from the musical um, that like, if you know the song, you know that I used it, but if you don't know the song, you have no idea. Um, but that hand hands down Don Quixote is the best character of all time. That's really cool. I should have, I, I, I was going to, I, 
I had mine in mind, but now I kind of want to switch to Randolph Thor. Um, that was a but, that was an inspired choice, Barack. Yeah, really oh. cool, Barack. Um, Stop it! No, keep going. In my office, I have tons of superhero art, mostly because I'm one of those people who like. Well, you know what I like, so you know what to get me for an occasion. So, um, the the uh, but but sitting across from my desk. So if I'm sitting at my desk, I'm looking at two paintings. One of them that that uh, my good friend Cap painted, and the other one that I painted as Cap was teaching me how to do it that style. And they are of Batman and the Tick. And, <laughs> And I have them across from me because, in part, I love both characters. Um, Bat- Bat- Batman comic books are the reason I became a reader. And um, the Tick and Batman together are such opposites. And they're kind of like the Yetzer Tov and the Yetzer Hara, the, the, the good inclination and the evil inclination. They like, even though Batman is a hero, he does it in, you know, vigilante ways, but the tick is just pure hearted. And, um, and so it's the reminder to balance. And, and while I strive to do good, to know, you know, when to, when to be serious and when to let my humor take over and, um, and to remember the balance of the, of the good and the bad in my life. Uh, as I, as I look at both of my favorite heroes. Nice. That's great. Good, great choices. Those are great choices. All right. Who's got uh, who's got another question for us? I, I, I have a question. So, um, the, what is the nerdiest thing that you've done in your Jewish professional life? Mm. And uh, and while while the two of you think, I will say that I um, I wrote my rabbinic thesis on superheroes and how they relate to the Bible. Um, oh, I, I love this! <laughs> I I did a, a literary comparison of Green Lantern, the Incredible Hulk, and Captain America as compared to Elijah and Alicia, both to Green Lantern, uh, Samson to the Incredible Hulk. And uh, Gideon to Captain America. Nice. Wait, Gideon the Judge? Yeah. That's who my son's named after. Oh, That's fun. Captain your son, America your son deserves a shield, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very fun. That's very cool. Did you, uh, and well, now you're a rabbi, so the paper worked. It was accepted, yeah. <laughs> okay. I did have to write an essay to prove why superheroes were a, were a thesis-worthy topic. So, so you had fun. to do double the work as everybody else because nerds don't get. I wouldn't say yeah. I, I definitely used the research that I did for the essay. I absolutely put it into my thesis. I double dipped for sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's nice. smart. Very fun. Um, I'll go. Uh, I've done a bunch. So I'm going to pick the one that I'm most proud of. Um, and it, so when I was assistant director for um, six point SciTech. I created for our leadership training a multiple room escape room for the summer camp leadership team. So we we had it at at Camp um, Eisner, and I had them put aside two cabins next to each other. So it's not I didn't create one escape room. I built two almost identical escape rooms right next to each other, where they had to like start on the porch, solve the issues on the porch, and then move inside. And then there was a double track of clues 
one starting from the living space, one starting from the bathroom space um, in order to then solve it to get back out of the cabin again. Uh, like I built flow charts for this and knowing that some clues had to be found in pieces. I used invisible ink things, multiple different ciphers, Jewish references, camp references. I was so good. Uh, super proud of that. I was awesome. I haven't done it since then, uh, but that was fantastic. Super nerdy. I need you to Jewish. send me that so I can do it at SciTech this summer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me, yeah, we'll chat offline. It was for SciTech. So like, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Perfect. Well, I, I have a very clear answer to this question and we go back to the great state of New Jersey, where I was the director of youth engagement at Temple Emanuel. And I went to my very first nifty par event. So first time in this region going to this event. And I find out when I get there that one of the traditions at this event is there was an auction and all the money went right into scholarships for Nifty Par. And people would auction off brownies or like you get a special like bedside, uh, bedtime song session. And one of my teens came up to me and said, hey, Ethan, you should put something in the auction. And I was like, well, I, I didn't bring anything for the auction. Like, well, just think of something. And so I, thought, I, I sat there and I thought, what is something I could auction off that I don't need a prop for that I could just do. And I went ahead and, and put in that I would auction off a one-man show of Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, uh, a private performance for whoever wins <laughs> the auction private. and their friends of choice. And it went for like $20 or something. I was the new advisor and people were just like, oh, okay, this will be right. some. What happened next was a hour and 15 minute two act performance of me <laughs> as a one man show acting out star Wars <laughs> that by the end of it, the teen who won said it was a steal. <laughs> it was an absolute steal. And at the next time we did this, the, I auctioned off another star Wars reenactment and I'm embarrassed and proud to say it sold for over a hundred dollars. Very nice. Um, that, was far and away the nerdiest thing I've ever done in my professional career. And that is saying a lot. <laughs> uh, so all you temples looking to bring in a new uh, scholar in residence, uh, Ethan does a pretty mean <laughs> one-man show. I'm around. I, think, I think that should be our Hanukkah special when we... When <laughs> just, we were, just, there's, perform, just, just the gift, vocals now. You don't even get to see a, the visuals. A gift anymore. to our dozen <laughs> listeners. So I, I, I wasn't, wasn't going to go there, but I'll go there. There is a recording out there that uh, I know exactly who to ask. It's been passed down from nifty generation to nifty mm -hmm. generation. The next one that I did was Star Wars The Force Awakens. And at that point, people knew what they were getting. So I did the performance outside in front of like 50 teenagers. And at one point during the climax battle, I'm running around imitating a TIE fighter. And we're at Camp Harlem. So it's beautiful weather. It's nice. It was the fall. It had rained recently. So I was running, screaming like a TIE fighter, and I slipped on a patch of leaves and fell, sprained my wrist, and jumped right back up, screaming, ow, and then just uh -huh. kept going. Because oh, the show gosh. must go on. So there's, there's a video of me pretending to be a TIE fighter, running, slipping and falling, and spraining my wrist at a, at a nifty event. Oh, fun. Can you give us I your, your R2-D2? 
Uh, you know what? I cannot. When we when we have a Patreon, <laughs> though, when we have so many fans, we need a Patreon. We can put the video of Ethan spraining his wrist and his. That's a great idea. Impression. Amazing. Tell your on friends, Patreon. folks. Tell your friends. I'll put my thesis on the Patreon too. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, I got I got one. I got one. What? Just think about this for a second. What are the top five nerdiest things about you? go to your childhood or your current life, but top five nerdy things. Give it a second. You at home, play along. Think if you can think of your top five nerdy things, share with us on, <laughs> on social media. Um, all right, here we go. I'm going to do my five in no particular order. Uh, one, I've made pretty much all of my, ho- most, I'll say most, but not all, most of my Halloween costumes from scratch. And they're like, not cosplay level, but I would proudly wear some of those out in public. I did like a um, Alan Parrish when he came out of Jumanji. I did a, and I wore, I created an Inspector Gadget outfit once for a Halloween party, and I had three different sets of shoes that I would change into throughout the night, like rollerblades and slinkies and regular shoes. Anyway, so make my own costumes. Um, two, I read, uh, I read graphic novels and comics in my spare time. I read some as a kid, but it really started when I got older. And I use it now to like stay off of social media and avoid spoilers. Um, three, uh, shout out to Ethan here. I grew up a Trekkie, um, but I, more accurately, I grew up on the sci-fi channel uh, because my dad refused to change it. And Star Wars is not, wasn't on the sci-fi channel because it wasn't a TV show. Um, so all the different versions of Star Trek I've seen, Sliders, Quantum Leap, Anything on sci-fi from the 80s to like 2000s. Um, that's what I grew up on. Four, I, I have two young kids and I took monthly nerdy photo shoots of each of my kids from when they were born until they turned one. And occasionally there was like those. the special like holiday versions. Like I did a Game of Thrones Passover crossover where I had like a painted dragon hard boiled egg. Um uh, but those were like, so we recreated like scenes or posters from things like Toy Story or Indiana Jones, Harry Potter, Die Hard. Uh, that was super fun. Can't wait till I have <laughs> just to like do the dress up thing. Halloween. I have to wait for Halloween's. Um, all right. Last five. I have my degree in mathematics uh, and I enjoyed it so much that I ended up taking every math class my college had to offer at that time, um, including I even took two senior seminar math courses. Um, That is how I decided to spend my time in college. Very fun. One of the senior seminars was cryptology and code breaking, which was the best class. That sounds cool, but that's also the opposite of me. In high school, I took calculus. In college, I took algebra and never saw math again. (laughs) <laughs> all right who's next top five top fives i'll go since i was already talking <laughs> um okay my first concert was weird al nice um and and i and i was invited to see weird al again this summer but couldn't make it happen i have seen fish almost 40 times i don't know if that's nerdy but nice. my kids there's think a certain niche I'm sure yeah. many of our audience members are going to enjoy that fact. And I my, did my kids, my kids think it's nerdy, so it's that's yeah. okay. <laughs> um, I I love Hebrew grammar. 
I think it's so much fun. Um, and, and I think that the grammar of Hebrew makes it like one of the easier languages to learn because you have a root and then you can figure out what all these other words mean based on that root. Um, uh, Magic the Gathering um, paid for my first year in Israel. How, um, like the company or just you do what it, how did that know for- I was, I was a very early player of magic, the gathering and um, I was winning tournaments and I had lots of complete sets in like the early to mid nineties. And, and, uh, and, and in 2001, when I knew we were going to Israel, I sold everything I had and it paid for the year. Wow. Did yeah. You, did you start that collection again? Uh, no, I saved, I saved like some of these specialty boxes. And then I gave that to a kid in Florida and, um, and, and my son, my middle son started playing magic in at summer camp. And so I started buying cards again oh, and awesome. then he, and then he immediately stopped. So. <laughs> oh, Yeah. That was four. Um, that was four. Right? That was four. Um, and and five. I, I guess. I mean, I I do. Um, you know, I try to bring superheroes into a lot of what I do. And um, and when I when I I do a class called Real Judaism R E E L, and we, and we talk about movies and how they relate to Judaism. And whenever I do a superhero movie i'm so excited i get so happy that i get that i found some like real good jewish content for the superhero movie and i can just hear my congregants eyes rolling when i announce the title (laughs) and like on the one hand it makes me feel like super nerdy that that they don't like it but on the other hand it gives me a wonderful sense of schadenfreude (laughs) (laughs) well we will we will probably roll our eyes at each other's puns but we will appreciate them as well so (laughs) absolutely that's, I didn't know that. That's very fun. Well, I think by process of elimination, I am going next. Mm-hmm. So similar to RDY, my very first concert was Weird Al. For me, it was the Straight Out of Linwood tour. Very fun seeing White and Nerdy performed live on stage. Definitely a life-changing experience. I don't recall if my friends and I did this, but we at least talked about, because it was over the summer, we were going to wear the tour shirt that we bought on our first day of school, because nothing says I'm a cool high schooler, like wearing my Weird Al concert tour shirt on the first day of school. Um, Number two uh, was probably how we celebrated my bar mitzvah. Um, You know, some, some people do this, some people do that. My mom came to me and said, Ethan, what do you want to do? We can do a party or we could do a family trip somewhere. So me being the intrepid, smart, young person I am, said, let's do a family trip to Las Vegas. Why? Because 13-year-old Ethan likes to gamble? No. Because 13-year-old Ethan wanted to see a show? No. Because we were going to go to the Las Vegas Hilton and go to the immersive Star Trek experience And when I tell you that was one of the greatest moments of my life, I mean it. Spoiler alert for an experience that hasn't existed for about 10 years. What they tell you is it's a motion simulator ride themed on Star Trek. What it actually is, is as you're standing there getting your safety briefing for the motion simulator ride, they shut off the lights, blast you with air, and see like they lift up these walls and the lights come back off. 
you're on the transporter pad of the enterprise and it turns into this immersive experience. And That's while cool. my sisters and dad waited in Quark's bar, my mom and I <laughs> were uh, hanging out on the enterprise and like looking at each other, like we were both little kids. It was the most fun and I am completely unashamed. This was in Vegas. This was in Vegas. Yes. And unfortunately cool. no longer exists, no. but it was just Vegas no longer exists. No. Well, the, 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 the Star Trek experience no longer exists. Vegas, oh, I believe. Still exists. I was <laughs> yeah. so worried. Ah, <laughs> uh, but it was, it was great. And, you know, I, I always have hope now that we're in the middle of a kind of a, our own Star Trek renaissance right now that mm-hmm. um, it might come yeah. back and we're going to pop up next. Them. I really, I thought you said you were, you chose to take a family trip to like Riverside, Iowa. Which is the, the birthplace. birthplace of Captain Kirk. Yeah, that's yes. where I thought you said you chose to go. I really was expecting that. Um, oh, no. Yeah. No, much, much better and worse at the same <laughs> time. We all had a great time. Yeah. Um, when I interviewed for my first and, and was hired for my first full-time uh, Jewish job, one of the questions I was asked was, so how much do you like Star Trek? And this was the, the search committee. This was teens and parents and board members. For because a, like a, a Jewish professional job, this was the question on their list? Well, they did their due diligence and looked oh, me up okay. on social media. And for some yeah. reason, some part of my social media led people to believe I was a big nerd. So it led to a lot of laughter. And I just very deadpan said, well, I like Star Trek enough. There's a model of my enterprise within arm's reach of my desk. And I grabbed it and pulled it onto screen, which they, of course, loved. And at that moment, I knew, one, I probably got this job. And two, if I got this job, that model of the enterprise is going right on my desk at work. And first day of work in New Jersey, I brought out the enterprise from my box and put it right on my desk. Amazing. And it has followed me from work desk to work desk. Amazing. Uh, number four, it's got to be that I have completed the Pokedex in multiple Pokemon games. Um, as, as I've grown older, Pokemon's been a great way for me to continue to build a relationship with my two younger sisters as I no longer live home in the, in the Dallas area. So uh, I've gotten the Pokedex completed on a few games. And on the topic of video games, the final nerdiest thing about me is... Um, not even, I think, a month after I graduated college, my friends and I got tickets and attended a video game tournament in Austin. It was Red Bull Battlegrounds and it was StarCraft II. And it was really, really nerdy. And it was so much fun. <laughs> on, the, on the second day, we showed up and my friend was really apologetic. He kept saying, my tickets aren't as good as the first day. I'm really sorry. And we went in the venue and kept looking to try and find our seats. We couldn't find them. And so we called an usher over and they said, yeah, you know, we didn't know the, the plan when we were selling tickets. So actually your seats don't exist because they're taken up by like some of the sound equipment. And they said, but we'll, we'll comp you. So here we have some alternate seats for you. They walk us up front row center seat. And that was our that that was what? our complimentary tickets, and so what? wow, close, close enough to like see the sweat as they're holding up their trophies at the end, and we turn to our friend and say, "You know what, Ryan, we'll forgive you for the tickets this day." <laughs> it was oh, that's great, sweet. absolutely great. So can I just a, yeah. a thing about Pokemon? I recited a verse of the Pokemon theme song at a funeral once. Really. Jewish funeral? Does this does this fit our theme? Is was it a Jewish funeral? I have never officiated a non-Jewish funeral. Oh, I don't know. Uh, 
Uh, no, no. It, I mean, I suppose it's possible. Um, but Dude, what uh, part was it? Um, it? During what part of the theme song? I'm yeah. afraid I don't know enough of it to remember. Yeah, that's, okay. that's fine. Or but what part of the funeral? The 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 eulogy. <laughs> well, that makes sense. <laughs> so I don't want to make assumptions here. <laughs> right in the middle of the Hatsi Kaddish. <laughs> right. Well, I was thinking, yeah. like, was it gravesite? Was it as like a casket was lowering and you started reciting the Pokemon Yeah, I just theme? started. Yeah. Gotta catch them all as he was coming best. down. Yeah. Like, no one ever was. There's, yeah, like in a few. There's a verse melody. about like being a friend and like finding, I'm so glad I found you kind of thing. Oh, very nice. That's awesome. Yeah. He and his, he and his nephew were big Pokemon friends and they, big Pokemon fans and they bonded that way. So. I used, oh. used it during his funeral. Yeah. That's nice. Really sweet guy. Yeah. On the, on the other end of that, I really, really wanted to walk down the aisle to a like violin quartet version of the Indiana Jones theme song. And my wife refused. I've seen, I've, I've seen, I've been, in, I've done weddings where the groom walked sounded, down to bond. Sounded beautiful. Yeah. That's really nice. Um, all right, I want to. We got to wrap up soon. I want to keep in our time. Any other like uh, anybody have any short, rapid fire questions we want to get out here for people to know about? Rapid fire. I got one. Favorite Muppet. Fonzo. Fozzy. Beaker. Nice. My wife's favorite is Beaker. That's good. Any other rapid fires? Favorite uh, uh, Big Bang Theory character. Oh. Um, Wallowitz's mom. I was gonna say Howard's mom. Yeah. <laughs> it's I like incredible. Raj. You like who? Raj. Oh, very nice. Like the only clearly non-Jewish character in the entire cast. <laughs> well, I guess him and Penny. <laughs> right. Um, all right. Well, if anybody has any other questions for us, please be sure to, to ask us on our social media. Um, this was great. I loved getting to know you guys a little bit more. I hope you all enjoyed listening and getting to know us a little bit more. Um, about each other, about the podcast. We're looking forward to seeing or for you for joining us for our next episode or whichever one you decide to skip to next. Um, but that'll do it for this episode of Taurus Smash. Our theme music was created by Sean Fogel. You can check out Sean's bands and studio work at www.thesleepywest.com. Today's episode was sponsored by Congregation B'nai Tzedek, a reform synagogue in Fountain Valley, California. Their super congregation and amazing rabbi are always ready to welcome new members, spiritual seekers, or just curious people who want to experience an amazing Shabbat service. Anyone who wants to come in and pray with them in peace will always be welcomed with great love. Congregation B'nai Tzedek is where you matter. You can learn more about Congregation B'nai Tzedek in our show notes. We want to hear from you and continue today's nerdy discussion. Go to torahsmash.com to find where to connect with us online, email us directly, find previous episodes, and more. Until next time, so long and thanks for all the gefilte fish. <laughs>